Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. This week... It's the Oscars. That's right, the Academy Awards are taking place, and so we decided, for a bit of something different, that we would let the audience pick a film. The only criteria we gave them was that that film must have received the Best Picture Award. They chose Gladiator. So, joining us to discuss Gladiator here at the um, the Avery Institute of uh, Western <laughs> Australia. Uh, no, it's that is Anakin, who is uh, going to be chirping in every now and then, but... That's okay, we quite like him. Uh, But joining us, we have, as always, someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. Our guest who has seen the film and was very excited when he found out that Gladiator was coming up, it's Patrick Downs. Hey, I'm back, ready to talk Gladiator. Yes, welcome to 2018. Yes. It's nice to have you on. Yes, thank you very much. Big fan of Gladiator. Love this movie. How much do you love this movie? Uh, How much? Um... I don't know. I don't know how to quantify it. It's oh. great. It's one of my favourites. Okay. Yeah, oh, I've that... seen it. I've seen it a lot. Okay. If you were, um, if you were, I, let's say you were trapped in sure. like some sort of um, purgatory-based cinema. So you're there for all eternity. Yep. Just you and Anakin in the cage back there, great. chirping away. Cool. And you have just ten films. Just ten films. Just ten films. Would Gladiator make it? Oh yeah. Easily. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Okay. It'd be one of the first DVDs I'd grab off the shelf. Mm. So, there is a shelf in purgatory, so you find. Well, it. I'm assuming I'm having to grab. In my mind, I'm grabbing my DVDs. Oh, you're. I'm, I'm given like ten minutes to pick ten movies. Okay. And then they're like, all right, to purgatory you go. Okay. So Gladiator is one of the first ones I grab off my DVD shelf Excellent. before I'm sent to the eternal uh, purgatory world. And what is it about Gladiator that you enjoy? I suppose in a vague, non-spoilery sort of way. Yeah. Um. The, look, I, I, I'm a big, I'm a big sword and sandals fan. I love sort of. Greek and Roman epics, um, and this is probably one of the best ones. Mm. Um, so there's that. Uh, the violence is cool. I've got to admit, mm-hmm. the fighting and the violence is really cool. Um, it's just, it's just cool. Like it's a boy movie. It's such a dude movie, mm. as well. Um, yeah, they're the main things. Love ancient Rome and all that. It's a bit of a history guy, but not that this is particularly accurate at all. But I love it all. Yeah. And also, I should say, I'm under no illusions about this movie. Like. We'll watch it and we'll talk about it. Best art, best best movie, what would winner? Mm, you know, we'll see. But uh, yeah, love it. Okay, now that's that, that's good. Okay, well, joining us to also review this film is someone who has not seen the film. It's Dr. Carmen Dolly, everybody. Hello, thanks for having me on again, Stephen. You're well, most welcome. And uh, you have not seen Gladiator. No, I have not. No. So, what what do you know about the film? Um. Well, it kind of launched Russell Crowe's career pretty much, didn't it? Kind of. Kind he of? was already, like, pretty well-known, but it mm. was definitely, like, 
the big step to stardom for him. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then it's sort of like one of the first kind of epic films, I suppose, of the 2000s. Like it sort of yeah, was yeah. certainly contributed to that whole uh, genre in the 2000s. Yep. Um, and Oliver Reed is in it and he, he died yep. during filming or something. And that was the first time that they oh, put a jumping CGI ahead to body IMDb on facts, Steve. That's all I know. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it's, I think it, it was in Mad Magazine. Happened, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, that was certainly mentioned in the IMDb trivia. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, all, this was Oliver Reed's last film. Yeah. Um, partly because he didn't quite finish it, uh, but yeah, and it's it's I suppose I suppose it's the first indication of a uh, of a Grand Moff Tarkin effect that we <laughs> we yeah. that we get seen yeah. done where we try and sort of piece together. I would argue actor digitally um, much more. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Doesn't, doesn't matter. I was going to say <laughs> much, much much more well done. Mm. Um, more than, more than, advanced than than Grand Moff Tarkin's. Are we talking about his little appearance in? Yeah, we'll talk about Rogue One. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, I think, the trouble is it's not... Much more elegantly appearance. done than that, I yeah. would argue. Yeah, <laughs> Ooh, okay. Well, we'll okay, see. We'll I mean, see. I mean, this this film is 18 years old at this point. You know, yeah. it'll be interesting to see how that particular effect holds up and, indeed, how uh, how the rest of it holds up. You know, is, is Whacking Phoenix as, as crazy as we remember him? Probably, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, without any further ado, um, should we watch the film? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. All right, we've got uh, we've got launch from everyone. <laughs> I'm getting up already. Let's go. <laughs> okay, uh, for those of you at home, uh, grab your DVDs and a very very comfortable seat because <laughs> this is a long one. As we prepare to watch Gladiator. Everybody, we have just finished watching Gladiator, or should it be called Mad Maximus? <laughs> hey! There were some very strong Mad Max vibes. Maybe it was just because it was an Australian in the lead role. I'm rejoined by uh, Patrick Downs. Hello, Stephen. And uh, Dr. Carmen Dolly. Hello, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Russell Crowe briefly joined us in the <laughs> I just thought I'd stop by and say hello. Oh, you were really good in that film, Russell. Oh, thanks very much. I've got to go now. Bye. Uh, okay, bye. <laughs> yeah. Um, Man, did you did anything weird happen? I just came out of the toilet. Did anything oh weird God, happen, guys? Oh, my God, you would not believe it. Yeah, it was um, It was that, that guy who was really bad in Les Mis was here. Oh, <laughs> Hugh Jackman? Yeah. <gasps> How dare you, sir? Oh. <laughs> I didn't so see the movie. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, welcome back, everyone. Yes, we have just finished watching Gladiator. Uh, Carmen, we'll start with you because mm. this was your first time watching this film. It was. What did you think? Look, I'm glad I saw it. It was probably not really a movie made for someone like me. It was it was a fine movie. I don't know if I would pay $17 to see it in the theatre kind of movie, mm. but it's it's a perfectly cromulent movie, let's say that. <laughs> Excellent use of the word cromulent. There. Yes, thank you. I, I do love the word cromulent. Yes. Um, uh, so, so okay. Like, just... Yeah, just like, ex- it's acceptable. Yeah, 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 acceptable. Certainly not a bad film. No. Bordering on good? Bordering on good, okay. yeah. Not, um... I mean, it's. I'm just trying to think of an epic movie that I like, but mm. um, you know, it's it's not quite Lord of the Rings. I, I was going to say there's a Lord of the Rings poster over there. That I'm yeah, yeah, I think that's sure. more Jason's than right. me, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just that I'm not into epic movies in general. But mm. um, yeah, it was it was fine for what it was. Okay, and Patrick, uh, when did you last watch this film? Uh, a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so big fan. Yeah. yeah. And uh, how, how was it this time? Um, it's funny watching it with people because it's normally one of those ones I do watch on my own because it 
it's I, I and I I totally understand the it not being for everyone mm, mm. because it is quite long and parts of it are really slow. I do forget. I did say while we're watching it. I forget every time I come back to this movie just how slow all the talking scenes are. Oh, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I kind of just, you know, I don't care about that so much. That kind of just washes over me. But, yeah, someone who's not really, you know, enjoys those kind of movies in the first place might struggle. Mm. Um, but, yeah, watching it with people, you know, was kind of like, you know, it's fun. But, yeah, it did make me realise perhaps some of its flaws yeah, a I bit mean, more. Yeah. I mean, don't, like mm. it's still on that weird purgatory list we talked about. Yeah, for yeah. sure. It wouldn't make Carmen's, but it makes yours. It definitely, it still makes mine for sure. Yeah, yeah. but well, um, yeah, I'm definitely a bit more aware of uh, mm. places where it drags. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, no, w- watching it again, um, and for me, it's the first time since I think it was in high school since I've seen this film. So yeah, uh, it's it's at least a good 10, 12 years, and so, so I, I forgot most of it to be perfectly honest. Yeah. I was like, I knew roughly. Okay, I know that. Maximus dies at the end. I, yeah. I also know that he gets to kill uh, the Emperor. Um, but m- a lot of the other details I'd sort of forgotten. Um, mm. And and re-watching it and watching it when it's almost 20 years on, it, it still looks pretty good. It I does have, look yeah, good. Yeah, it does yeah. look yeah. great. Yeah. Like, like, obviously, it's, it's early days of blue screen and some of the blue screen is like, that's pretty good. And others is like, that, that's, that's a blue screen. So good. Yeah. But the majority of it, in fact... I wouldn't say there's anything that's unwatchable in it, with the possible exception of some of the uh, slow motion stuff. But we'll get into that. Yeah, because there was a reason for that. Yeah. yeah. Um. But the the it's very watchable. The the acting is uh, pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not absolutely outstanding. Even though Russell Crowe did win the the best actor. Got yeah. Which did is he an, really? Yeah. yeah he, he got. Did. Yeah. This film won five Oscars, and he got one of them for yeah. best. Actor. I I find that surprising. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm yeah. not trying to, to disparage Russell Crowe. No. Here, but, no. And again, yeah. I totally would cop to that as well yeah. because why? Like, yeah. why did he win for this? I, I can't remember what else was nominated that year. But... I'm just pulling up a list oh, now. Cool. Yeah. But, yeah. Because uh, yeah. he's. I mean, he's great in the role. It's mm. it's perfect. Because he looks the part and he does the, he does the stoic, revenge-driven man really well. Yeah, yeah. But he's not doing an awful lot with it. Yeah, I feel so. like you could have put <laughs> many, many other actors in that role. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it still would have worked. Yeah. Like last time I was on, we were talking about Groundhog Day, and you couldn't really do that with anyone apart from Bill Murray. But no, no. I of feel not. with yeah. that role, it, it could have worked. It's a bit of a, a cookie cutter actor. role for sure. Yeah, yeah. Very, yeah, very much so. Certainly. Um, just just had a quick look. The other nominee is the Best Actor at the 2001 Academy Awards uh, when Russell Crowe won as General Maximus Decimus Decimus. Meridius. Maximus Decimus Meridius. Thank you very much. Uh, Javier Bardem for Before Night Falls. This is my audition, by the way, for the Oscars. Um, Tom Hanks, Castaway. Which I would argue oh, maybe yeah, that was... is more deserving. Of I think so. Yeah. yeah, I think he, yeah. yeah. In terms of pure acting, yeah. yeah. Ed Harris in Pollock, he, where he played Jackson Pollock. Oh, I didn't see okay. that. Didn't uh, see and that. Jeffrey Rush um, as Quills in Marky Desard. Marky Desard oh, in Quills. I didn't see that. Mm. I never did. Yeah. So yeah, sorry, sorry. Yes, I yeah, read the other. <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh, yeah. he was so, Braveheart in the film William Wallace. <laughs> uh, but, yes. <laughs> yeah. So I reckon you're either Tom Hanks or Jeffrey Rush. Yeah. Mm. probably more to, to, regardless of one's opinions on Jeffrey Rush these days yeah. um, probably more deserving of a best best actor for those two roles than old Rusty was for possibly this one. but it, I, I, per, personally I would think so yeah I yeah. just think yeah, they did a bit more with you know yeah. not having seen the other two movies fair but. enough yeah I mean look but but it's still a good performance oh yeah yeah, like, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's certainly 
I, I would say it's worth a nomination, certainly. I've, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. But, yeah. but, you know, maybe everyone just got a bit of gladiator fever at that yeah. time. I think also <laughs> Perhaps, considering yeah. the physicality of the role and everything, mm. he did kind of embody that character really well. So mm. while he's... Mm actual more acting acting scenes in terms of the dialogue and things maybe yeah. was a little bit dry yeah when he was allowed to cut loose and be a badass mm. or get emotional yeah. or get emotional yeah. he yeah. did really well yeah. Yeah. certainly um, maybe it was just uh sorry to interrupt no, maybe no, 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 it no, was no, just no. like um i think maybe one of my beasts was it with it was that he didn't really seem to develop as a character for me like, I mean, at the start, I, I was like, oh, you know, he's this great warrior, but he's he's humble and he doesn't like to lie yeah. and he just wants to go home. And he's not very relatable because he's not flawed in any way. And yeah, even yeah. after, you know, this big event happens to him with his family and, you know, the deaths and whatnot, mm. it still doesn't really change him very much. No, you know, totally it, right, it, yeah. it, the characters say to him, oh, you've changed. But no, he hasn't. He, he just kills when it's necessary. and He's still good and honorable and he, do, he doesn't really seem to be flawed or driven by revenge in any way even mm. though that that was kind of the point they were trying to get across yeah, yeah. um he's batman yeah basically he basically, is he's ancient yeah. roman batman you're totally right though about him not really having much of a character arc yeah like, and it was hard to be re- for him to be relatable in the first yeah, place I yeah. think. because he was you're right yeah, and the, film, so... the film starts with a wheat hand and it ends with a wheat hand that's the thing it's yeah. like it, it, literally he goes through all this stuff but it still ends with him walking through a field of wheat with his hand you know, brushing yeah. along some weeds. Yeah. So the core central character that is Maximus doesn't really change. I, I have to agree. Mm. He, you know, he has these horrible experiences and he just sort of gets sold into slavery and accidentally ends up in a position where he can get revenge. It's not... Yeah. It's Even not... the act of killing all these other slaves didn't really seem to upset him that much. Yeah. No, not You really. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if he, like, fair enough killing people on the battlefield, but... These other people are just slaves like him, and that yeah. kind of didn't really seem to bother him. But yeah, and that... he didn't really have any strong bonds <laughs> or anything with anyone. No, no, yeah. you're right. Yeah, he, he really loved his little wooden statues. Oh yeah, he but, was all about. I those. mean, yeah. yeah, that was his closest bond in the movie, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, the film starts. We're in uh, Germania. Uh, he's fighting the Germanians, um, and <laughs> you know they're, they're very much you know the. I would say the older siblings of the Game of Thrones ranter crowd. Um, oh my god, it was, yeah, it was very Game of Thrones. For sure. yeah. yeah, yeah, lots of lots of running around with swords and axes and fire, and it was a pretty decent battle sequence. Oh, yeah. And you know, two thousand, it's you know we're we're just getting ready for the Lord of the Rings to show us some mm. good big scale battles. But I'd say for for the year two thousand, that that's it was it, quite it, good. It's yeah. it's impressive, and yeah. you know, even now watching it on um, modern televisions, you can see okay, you know, nothing looks too janky. It's quite clear. This is how the columns are moving. This is where the cavalry flank is coming in. It did feel a bit like Ridley Scott was almost just in that battle almost just like painting a big picture mm. uh and and sort of just picking very very minute details to show and then zooming back out to the big picture there wasn't really much in the way of i suppose like those big sweeping battle shots that we've come to expect from subsequent big battle films like troy or things yeah. of that nature yeah. troy's another one of my guilty pleasures uh, <laughs> right good to know um but yeah so we have this battle um the Goths arrive, they have the big fight, there's victory, hooray, the Emperor's yeah. watching on, uh, Emperor Dumbledore, uh, Richard Harris yeah. there, <laughs> just watching on and going, 
Oh, yes, very, very, very good. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I, d- I did not realise it was Richard Harris. Mm. Uh, and this is kind of reminiscent of an embarrassing moment I had when we were, we were re-watching the Marvel films and we were watching Thor and we watched Thor 2 and it wasn't until halfway, th- halfway through Thor 2 that I realised that Anthony Hopkins oh. was Thor's dad. I'm like, I thought it was just some old guy that they <laughs> got his big break in Thor. Um, yeah, no, That's... I, I can't really recognise famous actors yeah. apparently. Yeah. No, that might just be Anthony Hopkins being amazing at acting though. Also that, maybe, yes. yeah. or it could just be an eye patch is uh, tricky. Maybe that's what maybe maybe it's also beards and, and lack of beards in Richard Harris's case. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Yes, but uh, yeah, old uh, old Dicky Harris is the emperor. Yep. He's um, Emperor Marcus, and he basically says, "Marcus Aurelius." Yes, I'm. Thank sorry, you. I'm <laughs> going to do that a lot. That's do it. A, do it. <laughs> yeah, no, please do. It's 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 nice to have a decent impression. <laughs> um, the only one I can do. That's well. Then let's milk it because yeah, um, Marcus Aurelius basically says, mm, "Okay, so I'm going to die soon, and my heir, my my son." Uh, Wackin Phoenix um, that's not his name uh, Wackin Phoenix who's playing Commodus uh, Commodus thank you yep. very much Commodus 64 um, <laughs> he's he's playing <laughs> Commodus and uh, he's basically saying look my, my, my son he's no good he can't be the emperor he's going to do a terrible job so why don't we name you the protector of Rome and we can try and make this thing a republic again maybe give it a crack and uh, Maximus is kind of like mm, I kind of want to just go home and go to my farm in Spain but yeah, yeah alright um, and obviously Commodus turns up at the battle camp uh, with his sister um, Lucilla and is not very happy when informed by his father that he's not going to be the next emperor of Rome. Uh, and Which I get. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Like you spend your whole life being told that's what you're going to get and then yeah. suddenly dad's like, yeah, no. Nah. Yeah, right at the last yeah. moment it's like, yeah. Nope. <laughs> and so he has the very healthy emotional response of suffocating his father to death. During a spit tantrum. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, that was I, I. I forgot how quickly that happened. I, I, yeah, I, I was yeah, sort of in no my messing head. Around. In my head, yeah. I was kind of going like, "Okay, so he's going to go away, and then he's going to come in at night and smother him with the pillow." And it was like, "No, nope, cut out the middle, man. <laughs> yeah. We've got to get this thing in under three hours." <laughs> but I, I think that worked really well, though. I mean, I think because he's so worked up and 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 you know, like you said, having a spit tantrum and mm. not being named yeah. Caesar, that he just grabs. Richard Harris and just holds him into yeah. his chest until he suffocates yeah. and he's kind of wailing and mm. having a little tanty. Mm. It, I don't feel, it feels very real to me. Yeah. For someone who is sort of a psychopath like Commodus mm. is portrayed in this movie. Yeah, you could see like 50 years worth of inbreeding in those facial expressions. Yeah. It was it yeah. was fine. Yeah, yeah, it helps that Joaquin Phoenix is a bit weird looking. Like, yeah. Yeah, he, I, I know it's time about halfway through. He looks a bit like um, Toby Maguire when he cries as Spider-Man. Okay, yeah. <laughs> not yeah. not when he's normally Spider-Man, just when he's crying. They've got the same like upset crying face. <laughs> I mean, I can sort of see him as like an early pre- precursor to uh, Ramsey Bolton actually as well. Funny thing you should say that. Okay. Uh, one of the trivia bits. Um, should we spoil it? No, no, no. I'm happy to bring okay, it up okay. straight away cool. if we hit on it. It's it's like natural conversation. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's nice for the listener. Um, <laughs> What happened, uh, Jack Gleason, who played um, first Shitty King, uh, what was... Uh, Joffrey. Joffrey. Based hit Joffrey off Commodus. Oh, I can see that. Yeah. yeah that yeah. was one of his like bases that he said um, in interviews where he was like, yeah, no, I based off um, off uh, Gladiator. Mm. And yeah, I, it's 
I mean, it's it's a great crappy king performance. Yeah. Uh, or yeah. crappy emperor in this case. So chokes his dad. Oh, I'm the emperor now. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Uh, and the, the other... Oh, guys, he died somehow. Yeah. Oh, how about that? He was so overcome by me turning up. <laughs> Literally, he was overcome. Uh, but the... He, the other thing about Commodus, which, uh, uh, you know, he's bratty and he's emotional, but he's very, very quick to to a coup, very quick to, uh, you know, putting in actions which will maintain or put him in positions of power. Yeah. Mm. Like, there's a, reason, there's a reason he's able to have that power, even though it's only for a short time, is, yeah. you know, he's, he's pretty cold. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah sure, yeah. Slytherin yeah. for sure, yeah. Indeed, yeah. and... Um, yeah, so, you know, immediately uh, Maximus is arrested and sent out in the woods to be executed. Yeah. And not only that, his family are just going to be executed anyway, because yeah. it's like, you know, we're just going to make sure, wipe them all out. Uh, Maximus um, shows why he's in charge of the Roman army, though, by fighting his way out of an execution yeah. um, with some, you know, pretty dirty tactics and great sword throwing. But yeah. It, and, it, and it was pretty cool. It was, uh, you know... You I, I, I like that scene a lot. I mean, yeah. that yeah. to me is when the movie kind of kicks into gear. Because yeah. mm. the, the, the opening battle scene is really fun. And then there's a long bit of talking with mm. the whole Caesar bit and who's going to do what and all that. But then when, yeah, uh, Marcus, Maximus rather, mm. um, yeah, fights his way out of his execution by back, sort of giving the guy a reverse head headbutt mm. and then the guy can't get his sword out of his scabbard because... Mm. The frost, it makes the blade stick. Uh. Ah, and then just killing and he throws a sword and then... Go watch the movie, everyone. It's yeah. it's, <laughs> it was a good scene. Yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. I think that is where the film shines, is that the fight choreography is pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, the whole way through, they have lots of different types of fights, uh, lots of different elements coming into those fights, and they're all put together really well. Yeah. And yeah. It, it is a joy to watch these well choreographed and rehearsed routines. Mm. Uh, and, and yeah, you're right. That's but, that still look scrappy. Mm. Um, you know, sometimes I think when you watch a, a movie with you know really chore, like the first thing my mind jumps to when you think over choreographed is like the Star Wars prequels. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like those sure. fights are so choreographed. Mm. You're just looking at them. It's like, well, that's the, it's just like they're dancing. Like yeah. there's no element of danger here. Mm. I think they've done a really good job of making the fights, especially the actual gladiator duels, mm. look. Scrappy yeah. and desperate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's and also very genuine. Yeah, the thing with the Star Wars film is it's a heightened fantasy, whereas True. Gladiator, yeah. uh, what they're the whole team are trying to do there is create something that feels real and it actually happened in yeah. history. Yeah, um, you know, everyone spoke in British and Australian accents, <laughs> yeah. but that's okay. Um, There's a few Scots in there as well. Oh yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah. Although, although, I mean, that was a, again a deliberate choice from the team to go. Uh, one of the potential options for Russell Crowe as a Spanish character. Is he did consider trying to speak like Antonio Banderas? I just oh god! Um, and yeah, that that was dropped pretty quickly. Yeah, I can't yeah. imagine why. Can you give it a crack? Uh, my name is uh, Maximus Decimus Moridios. <laughs> it's not that you killed my family. Prepare to die. <laughs> it was more uh, Pepe Le Pew than uh, <laughs> Antonio Banderas. <laughs> Antonio Banderas. Oh no, more like. Uh, Mandy Patinkin by way of Pepe Le Pew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yes, um, so unfortunately for, for Maximus, uh, you know, he does get out of the execution, but his family are killed before he can get to them and rescue yep. them. And this is obviously very upsetting, considering that he spent his entire time in the Roman army fighting for his family and for his home. Yep. 
I mean, it, it would be upsetting anyway. Yeah. But yeah. but particularly for a character like Maximus, who is essentially like the perfect soldier, you know, he's, um, he, he, this is absolutely devastating. And he has a, Russell Crowe has a brilliant snot cry. Just lets everything <laughs> yeah. fly. Well, that's one of your, I think that's one of the trivia. It is. They, him, wanna... him and old, um, uh, the director, uh, Ridley Scott, they, they were like, okay, we can do this a number of ways, but we should do one when you absolutely lose it. Well, I think in the script it was written that he was kind of meant to sort of stoically look at them with a yeah. t- single tear in his eye. Oh, my yeah. God. And I Ridley Scott and Russell Crowe were like, no, 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 no. We need to give it. I think Russell Crowe's exact words were like full-on snot fest or yeah. something. Mm. So they were like, no, we need to give this everything. And I think that's a much better choice mm. for it. You know, otherwise, like you said, it would have just been so tacky. Yeah. <laughs> And it, you know, it really reflects the the fact that Maximus is broken. Mm. Yeah. And so he's, um, you know, he buries his family, and then we see him literally just lying on the grave, probably just waiting to die. Yeah. When he's yeah. picked up by a uh, passing traveling group of slavers. Plot device, but you know, he's literally just he's there. He's because he's got a pretty nasty wound on his arm as well. Yeah. During his escape attempt, he got got a bit of a cut. Got cut pretty badly. Yeah. And then you know he he comes to. And he's in a slaver cart, and there's a fella standing over him saying, "Don't touch the maggots in their wound. In their, they're cleaning it. Just leave it, please. You know, this is good." And he's just like, "Okay, whatever." Don't know if I'd agree with that, but uh... well, as I was going to say, as the medical professional, um, you know, maggots um, have been said traditionally to be have properties of a good nature for cleaning out wounds. Yes. Um, would obviously it probably wouldn't be the recommended treatment today. But yes. for the time, would you say it's pretty good? Uh, for the time, maybe. My first choice would probably be saline and a, and a tetanus shot, but yeah. uh, I suppose maggots for, yeah. for what they had. I don't think they had an there awful lot of tetanus things, shots yeah. in 180 AD. Yeah, <laughs> well, this is this is why I'm not a doctor in 180 AD, I suppose. <laughs> I show you a question, because do they not use maggots for like um, some wounds still, like diabetic wounds yeah, and stuff? Yeah, I, I don't know in Australia about diabetic wounds. Yeah. Um, but I know they have been used in certain wounds, yes. Yeah. Conventional treatment, no, I don't think so. Right. But m- maybe desperate times call for desperate measures kind of thing. So Maximus is sold into slavery and is bought mm. by Proximo. Uh, you could say it was acting, but it was basically just Oliver Reed. <laughs> it was basically just being Oliver, Oliver Reed. Reed. Yeah. yeah, just turning up and going, I'm a bit of a drunk and I don't <laughs> care what people think. <laughs> Okay, let's just let's just get through this, everyone. <laughs> and, uh, but he is great. He was yeah. introduced with the brilliant queer giraffe, giraffes line. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, what, what oh, did you miss line? that one? No, um, I remember the queer giraffe. So but I yeah, don't basically. The line. So Omid Jalili turns up playing his usual role as Arabic slave owner. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, talks to Proximo Oliver Reed, and Oliver Reed's mad because he the giraffes he sold him won't mate. And you sold me queer giraffes. <laughs> and it's just a fun little bit of Oliver Reed mm. being angry about queer giraffe. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Fun fact about giraffes, not related to this film, uh, they're one of the animals with a very high rate of homosexual uh, practices. There you so go. So a bit of historical accuracy there, yeah. potentially. Yeah. So, yeah. This movie had its moments of, of pretty, pretty bang on historical accuracy, <laughs> you know. Mm. You laugh, but it did. Mm. Um, you know, may, maybe... <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Not, in, not in terms of the events that happened, but, yeah. you know, little bits and pieces. Or the costuming, you know. The costuming, maybe, yeah. Mm. There's actually a, a fun fact relating to that scene with mm-hmm. uh, Ahmed Jalili and um, Oliver Reed. His yeah. name completely flew out my head for a second. <laughs> um, 
Right before filming their scene together, Oliver Reed asked Amadjilili, are you a method actor? Before squeezing his testicles properly in oh, the take. <laughs> Amadjilili recalled it by basically saying, not many people can say Oliver Reed has fondled the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, and there was a little bit of that. And it's something that we've discussed in, in the, the podcast before about method acting and whether or not it has any worth or benefit. Mm. Um, and obviously there are times when it goes way way too far mm. but there are other times when it's seen to get really great performances out of their uh out of their performers i, I don't know what are, what are your guys opinions on on method acting just in general um i i so i i have acted quite a bit one would even say i'm an actor <laughs> just yeah i'd say that <laughs> i i don't use method acting myself um i think it's a bit I don't want to. I don't want to like get too against it, but mm. I, I, I just, I just think it, it at at its at its best, it's can be just as good as any other method of act, any other form of acting. Mm. At its worst, it can be actually dangerous, yeah, mm. um, physically or even mentally. Yeah. Um. So so yeah. Personally, I I don't I don't I wouldn't like to work with someone who insisted on grabbing my nuts. Yeah. Um, if they want to, if you know, if I'm if I'm in a scene with someone and they're a method actor, that's fine. But yeah. I wouldn't want it inflicted on me. Yeah, that's where I would stand on method acting. All right, Carmen. I I think for me it's a, a question of consent. I mean, I've acted yeah. as well. I don't I don't tend to use method acting, but uh, it's uh, I, I don't have a problem with it when all the parties involved agree to it beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. What I have a problem with is directors going like, "Oh no, I wanted a genuine reaction in the scene, so yeah. I bullied my actress and made her do the take, yeah, you know, fifty nine times." You know, yeah. like Stephen King with uh, Shelley Duvall in The Shining, which was just mm. just bullying. There's no yeah. way around it. Yeah, it was uh, and, Stanley Kubrick. Oh, Stephen fuck. King yeah. wrote it. Sorry, Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, no, he yeah. might have written Same it. Initials. He's like, hey, if anyone ever acts this part, <laughs> just be really mean to them because I'm Stephen King. <laughs> Same initials, Stanley Kubrick yeah. in The Shining, mm. um, and particularly with directors doing it with actors. To me, it just it sends this huge message of lack of trust. Like, yeah. I don't trust your abilities as an actor to convincingly do this unless mm. I make it real for you. There's also a weird abuse of power thing going yeah. on there, I think, sometimes. Absolutely. You know, yeah. um, I mean, I mean, with with this, with it, with it being a case of one actor with another actor, mm. I, I would argue that's less a case, although it's one very senior actor in Oliver Reed mm. and yeah. the up-and-coming uh, starlet, Omid Jalili. <laughs> <laughs> but but, but like, it would still make me mad if he just, if, if, if I was Omid Jalili and I just got grabbed in the, yeah. Grabbed yeah, in the crotch. Like, sure. that would really piss me off. Yeah. Mm. I think, um, to be fair, there, there would be a lot of things that Oliver Reed did that would make me mad. But yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. would be one of them, yeah. Oh, you just wait for the trivia troll. Oh, my God. <laughs> It's going to be fun. So Maximus is bought by Proxima um, and is going to fight in the, uh, the the gladiator arenas as as a as a slave, and he will fight because that's that's what they do. This is entertainment back in one eighty AD. Or, yeah. um, you know, you're gonna you're gonna swing your swords at each other. You're gonna wear sandals. Some of you're gonna die, but yeah, it's good fun. And he gets thrown into his first fight with a bunch of other slaves. Um, and gets them to fight using the tactics he's been using on the Roman battlefields, mm. and they're obviously successful. You know, yep. they yeah. they have that that first fight against a bunch of chariots, uh, which was a pretty good like full on uh, first fight, particularly with the like the odds against them uh, mm. sort of thing, and it was it was great. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Um, oh wait, my apologies. No, that was the first fight in the I arena. Was, I was about yeah, to sorry. jump in. Oh. Yes, sorry. The first <laughs> fight. Good. The first fight in the mud pit arena. My apologies. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
still good. How did that one go? I mean, I I like that one. That's the one where, um, uh, so to set the scene a little bit, so all the the ones that have been branded uh, with red, the color red, Mm -hmm. they're the ones that have been branded the fighters and they're chained to the ones that aren't branded and they're just basically have to drag them around. Mm. That's right. So because Russell Crowe refused to fight... um, in the in the sort of the, the training scene, mm. so he wasn't branded. So, but which which meant that he was chained up with uh, Jumon Honsu's character mm. Juba. Juba, yeah. Juba, yeah. And they obviously made a kick-ass team mm. and basically won mm. won the day along with Hagen, the big German guy, yeah. who basically who just cut his chained friend's hand off. Oh yeah, that so was so he could just um... use the the hand as mm. a flail. That was pretty crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. So the three of them basically saved the day. Yeah. Mm. So they have this first fight in the mud pit arena, yep. and they're established as being, um, oh, you know, th- these guys can fight. And Maximus gains a reputation for being very, very good at fighting, and yep. just has this one fight where he goes out and just murders like seven dudes in a row with the always brilliant tactic of let's fight him one at a time. Yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, and he just goes through and he just decimates them in about a minute yeah and everyone's just kind of like oh is that it and he says the immortal words are you not entertained but he says them a bit like this are you not entertained i can't even do it <laughs> yeah I see, I'm, my inclination is to really bellow it mm. i i think we need jason on the mic here yes. to actually do yeah, this because i think i think his impersonation is better than the actual delivery jason would you care to uh come over to uh carmen's mic and just give us a little bit Come on, honey. God, I've got to remember. It's been... I wasn't here when you it's, guys it's watched for, it. It's four words. It's yeah. Are you not entertained? There yes. it is. See, <laughs> kind of more than what Russell Crowe ever yeah. gave it. That's what it should be. That's yeah. really what it should yeah. be. Yeah, yeah, it's... yeah Russell, uh, thank you very much, Jason. No, I'm going... <laughs> um, but yeah, Russell... We were entertained, Jason. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a very um, kind of, uh, but it fits with the character at that particular point. It does. Point, yeah. Where he's basically yeah. like, I think it's more the fault. Guys, guys, yeah. I just killed seven dudes. Yeah. I think it's more the fault of pop culture turning into such an yeah. iconic oh, line yeah. than yeah, it is the sure. performance, because you're right. Mm. In context, the way he delivers it makes a lot of sense, where he's yeah. just like, Jesus, really? This is what we're doing here? So whilst they're getting together and fighting and being all great, over in Rome, Commodus is the emperor. He's officially in charge. And that's not good. No. The Senate are like, the Senate have, you know, kind of got a weird like American Senate 2017 feel about it, where they're like, yeah. who's this guy? <laughs> and uh, you have Derek Jacobi there being the... Better do whatever he says. Yeah, yeah. being the serious uh, sassy senator, basically kind of going, so how are you going to lead? And yeah. uh, um, Commodus basically just going, other oh, people are just going to love me. And he's like, okay. Uh, right, okay. He, he's, he's like basically... the Scott Ludlam of, yeah. of the Senate. <laughs> Well, because they open and, and, and Senator Gracchus, mm. Derek Jacobi is basically saying, so we've got a massive sanitation issue mm. and Joaquin Phoenix just goes, yeah, no, I'd rather have an Olympics than deal with that. <laughs> so let's just do that. And the Senate's all like, <laughs> oh, okay. Very good, sir. Shop, shop. And Derek Jacobi's just like, oh, <laughs> Gracchus is not happy about this. Uh, but yes, to, to make the people love him more, Commodus decides let's hold like the biggest gladiator combat festival ever 150 days yeah. of just non-stop gladiatorial fun uh and bloodshed and acrobatics and or whatever it is that they're throwing yeah. at them um so 
while he is planning that, obviously the message goes out, you know, fighters, Valencia on all the posters, <laughs> going, you know, this is this is going to be great, it's going to be bloody. Uh, the news obviously makes it to Proximo, who goes, right, I'm taking all of my best We're fighters. We're finally going back to Rome. Yeah. yeah. Or at least in his case, he's going back to Rome as a former gladiator. Yes. Where he reveals, well, yeah. yeah. He reveals, I was a gladiator, I earned my freedom, I've got the little wooden sword, which, um, Patrick, you have the, the Historically history speaking, yes, that is what... So when a gladiator won his freedom, he was presented with a wooden sword from oh. the emperor uh, or potentially some other government official, mm. basically saying, here you go, mm. you're free to go. Good job killing. Mm. And you said there was one guy who turned it There's down. There's one like... very famous gladiator who... I can't remember the amount of fights he took part in, but he won 34 stalemated i think nine and lost four wow um and i was just say they, they didn't die as often as mm. they were depicted in the movie often gladiators were allowed to live mm. um, unless they were killed in the actual action of the fight itself so it wasn't uncommon for you to have a few losses under your belt mm. um so yeah he he was offered his freedom four times and he turned it down every time because he just loved being a gladiator well i mean it, and then are, eventually he died yeah. during a fight I mean, there is some fun to it, obviously. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. He was... Yeah. I, can't, I can't remember his name now. There was one called Flama, but I don't think that's him. Mm. I'm getting him confused with someone else, I think. But anyway. He loved it. He loved it. Yeah. He was good at it. He was, you know, he was great at it. He yeah. had all this money. Mm. He had all this fame. He just loved the glory of the of the Colosseum. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it is interesting that... The, the way, particularly when we get to the Colosseum in Rome, yeah. the, the events are showing are shown with a massive amount of grandeur you know the, these events are shown as as the big deal which obviously yeah. they were yeah, back yeah. in ancient mm. roman society but it's it, it is really interesting seeing the world around the Colosseum itself and around those fights and around those uh, events mm. and and also you know the fact that even the senators are saying you know the, the the you know roman politics can be decided on on the sands of the the Colosseum itself that that sort yeah. of thing which yeah, okay maybe they're they're playing around with it a little bit yeah, yeah. um it's importance but for the film it establishes is like this is this is important if you can prove yourself here like maximus goes on to do that this is this is important to Romans yeah. and Roman yeah. society. And it establishes a really good power play, which is then, uh, it starts happening between Maximus and Commodus, because obviously Maximus is thrown into his first fight in the arena um, with the chariots. That's where the chariots are. Yeah, here we come yeah. the chariots. That, that, that sequence was really cool. Yeah. I think that's maybe why yeah. I wanted to jump to it. Cause <laughs> it is just really cool seeing all these people on chariots, and some of them have got spears, and some have got bow and arrow. And, you know, the way the... Uh, the way the the barbarians, the the, yeah. the um, Maximus and Maximus friends, and his ragtag team of soldiers were yeah, the original Expendables. Yeah. The, they're, <laughs> they're there, um, you know, playing the role of the barbarians. Yeah. And, Hannibal, Hannibal's barbarians. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I, I mean, I have to be honest. I, I, when it comes to the Carthaginian Wars, I'm all about Hannibal. Yeah. I, 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 you know, that, <laughs> the guy was amazing and just just fell short. Just fell yeah. short. He did a lot. Uh, anyway, um, this is not Roman history podcast, uh, <laughs> but yes, they um, they they have this uh, good tactic for getting the the chariots off uh, immobilized by either forming a kind of blockade with their shields or it's hitting kind them. of a phalanx, but not quite. Yeah, yeah. And but also like jamming the spears in at the right time yeah. to like knock some spokes loose, and it ends up being really effective. Yeah, and it's yeah. A, just a fabulous sequence mm. and then you know it ends and the emperor's all like oh that was pretty cool uh better go better go uh, meet whoever this uh, weird helmety 
person is. It's probably not someone from my past. He's yeah. just yeah. everyone calls him the Spaniard, but I don't yeah. know who that is. I don't think I know. I don't know any Spanish people. Mm. So they're all dead. Yeah. <laughs> But yes, he goes down, and one thing that we didn't quite touch on, which I've just remembered, is the fact that just before this fight, the Emperor's nephew, Lucius, meets Maximus. Yep. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. But Maximus doesn't know that it's the Emperor's nephew until right at the very end of the conversation. Um, and so when the Emperor comes down, he brings the nephew with him, and Maximus is all there with an arrowhead, like, right, I'm going to stab... Yeah. Oh, he brought a kid. Oh, no, nephew oh, shield. Oh, can't, can't we should it. also say as well that um, we've kind of glossed over how how important Lucilla... Um, Commodore's sister mm. has actually been kind of in this, in, not in terms of affecting the plot, but in terms of her relationship to mm. Maximus. Uh, there's some, you know, there's some chemistry. There's there. some chemistry there. There's some implications that they might have had a little thing going yeah. on yeah. back in the day, yeah. and that's why. So her son is Lucius, mm. and that's why he's kind of reluctant to. Murder her, yes, murder his uncle right also, in front of him because he cares for Lucilla, and that's that that relationship with Lucilla really comes in strongly in the second half of this film because in yeah. the first half mm. it's just kind of like oh you know we first see her and uh, Commodus in the carriage heading to the front together and they're just both like we're both fabulously rich we're, yeah. we're the children of the emperor ha 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 but then we establish and there's through, that thing where Aurelius, Marcus Aurelius is like oh if only you were a man you would have been a better Caesar and that. Mm. That old thing. Yeah. yeah. That well. But then as we <laughs> get into the second half of the film, Lucilla comes into her own where she's like, uh, yeah, my brother's not good for, yeah. uh, for this country. For this. <laughs> oh, he's insane. So, uh, yeah. Help us. Yeah, so, Help so, us, Ross and Corp. Yeah. You're our only help. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, there are a couple of scenes like that where she kind of comes yeah. to him late at night and goes, uh, so. <laughs> mm. We need your help. Yeah. <laughs> We've got an emperor problem. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's it's so we have this first fight, and the emperor comes down and is like, "I want to meet you, soldier." And Russell Crowe's like, well, "Better turn away, can't yeah. let him see my face." And obviously, everyone goes, "Oh, he's shunning, oh my God. snapping yeah. the emperor." And so eventually, he's forced to remove the helmet to reveal who he is, and he turns around and just says, "Maybe one of the best lines in films in the last twenty years, which is just the whole this is my name, this is who I was, and now I'm going to kill you.'" I believe it goes a little something <laughs> like this. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, General of the Northern Armies and Commander of the Felix Legions, servant to the true Emperor Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. Yeah, pretty much that. And now everyone can laugh at me if you <laughs> no, want, no, no, but no. I everyone should love be doing this. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, you are a fan, aren't you, Patrick? I'll see, yeah, I'll see this movie once or twice. Uh, but yes. Um, but yeah, it's such a cool line. It it, it is it just is, like, and yes. it, it's all about the delivery of both yourself and Russell Crowe. Uh, <laughs> just just coming out with this line and basically just stating very clearly intentions. And I think that's really important, particularly as we said before. This isn't a character has a huge amount of progression, so mm. what yeah. they start off with has to be good. Yeah, and it's pretty good. Like it, it, there is some stuff to work with there, even if it's just one note. If it's literally just him leaning on the one note on the piano key for two and a half <laughs> yeah, hours, yeah. you want it to be a good note. Yeah, and yeah. he hits it pretty well. Yeah, it's fine. It's, yeah. it's good fun. Um, so obviously this is a problem for Commodus. Commodus is going, uh-oh. Um, he's, he's looking at this, Commodus, and going, oh boy, now I'm in trouble because all the people really like this guy. And even though he's like a slave and technically I could have him killed at any time, it would be politically bad if I did that. Yeah. I'd become super It also popular. shows just how in over his head Commodus is. Mm. Like, you know, um, they touch on it when Gracchus and I forget which other senator, I forget his name, 
Anyway, when they're talking, yeah, and he kind of talks about how the Roman people are, you know, Rome is the sand of the Colosseum. We've sort of talked about it already. Yeah. And there's allusions to the fact that he better know what he's doing. We think you know yeah. what we think he knows what he's doing, but if he doesn't know what he's doing, mm. then things are going to get bad, mm. and it becomes clear pretty quickly that he, he doesn't, doesn't know, know what, what he's, he's doing. doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. America, 2017. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> yeah. So that so obviously uh, this is not good. So he's like, uh, I know what we'll do. We'll use the Colosseum against him. Let's get someone yeah. who's never been beaten. So they bring in. Uh, Tigris, who at first is just a guy wearing a helmet. It's like, why is he called Tigris? It doesn't even look like a tiger on his head until they reveal the trapdoor tigers. And it's, again, very, very cool. And it it was an interesting scene, Carmen, obviously because we knew the tigers weren't... When when you're watching a film, you do have that, that thing where you're going, yeah, but the tigers aren't really there. You know, it was a mixture of blue screen and forced perspective. But for me, at least, I felt that scene read pretty well there was a good level of like chaos to it yeah it was good can i just say when they first brought out this undefeated gladiator i actually thought it was going to be proximo and i thought that would have been really interesting you know having Mm. to to fight his mentor Mm. guy well it's funny you say that because Mm. i do think that was a um in the in one of the original drafts oh really that marcus was gonna have to fight proximo at some point Mm. it might have even been at at that time it was Uh, oliver reed's death meant that they originally maximus and proximo were going to be forced to fight just before he fought the emperor it was going to be like the Emperor going, you, you two tried to betray me, so now you must fight to the death. And so they would have that fight to the death with Maximus right. killing Proxima. Um, but obviously with Oliver Reed dying and they had to do a very quick fix, they changed it so that his character died in the Later slave on, revolt. Yeah. Which, again, it still worked in the mm, film. Yeah, it was uh, fine, yeah. It, yeah, it didn't feel out of place at all. But yeah, that's interesting. I, I'm really pleased I got that. I should be a scriptwriter. You should. Yeah, yeah you <laughs> got a real good sense of, you know, when things the should dramatic, be. The dramatic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but um, the scene as it was written was very good. And like the tigers, that that effect held up really well. Yeah. Um, there wasn't any points where I kind of looked at it and went, oh, that seems a bit dodgy. I think it was a mix of CGI and forced perspective. Yeah. And mm, yeah. Clever cuts and things. It, it worked really yeah. well. Yeah. I think the ti- I don't think the tigers were ever CGI, but I think they were no. blue screen. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe. That makes sense. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Now I say that I might be wrong. I so. think maybe at certain points there might have been the odd bit of CGI. Um, maybe when they jumped on him. And yeah, stuff. little yeah, bits yeah. like that. But I think yeah. the majority of it was certainly they had I think a, a whole bunch of live tigers that they were utilizing. So. Um, but they work pretty well. It's also around this time that Lucilla starts having these secret meetings with Maximus, yep. going kind of like, hey, uh, heads up, I can get you to have a meeting with uh, Gracchus and we can maybe try and get you out of here and, I don't know, maybe lead another fantastic Roman revolt. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we're Romans, we do this every hundred years or so. Do you want to you wanna lead this one? Um, so she starts setting the wheels in motion for that, for this, uh, essentially... In a way, this film feels like a very serious space jam. <laughs> you know, it's almost <laughs> as though he's Michael Jordan. <laughs> um, yeah, Maximus is Michael Jordan, um, and the Emperor is the aliens. And I say, Commodus is Danny DeVito alien. Yeah, maybe less ads for Nikes during it, but uh... yeah. So yeah, it, 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 it's got that slight vibe where it's like you've got to do it to save the world. <laughs> Air Maximus. Uh, but yeah, um, so so whilst this uh, plot is happening, uh, obviously at the same time, um, creepy Emperor Commodus is looking at everything and going, hmm, I feel like there's some betrayal happening somewhere. Yeah. Oh, God. And he slowly starts to piece everything together and piece together the fact that it is Lucilla that's working against him. Mm. Yeah. Um, he has Grokkus arrested. Um, and obviously that means that the original plan to get Maximus out of there has to be pushed forward to that night. Yep. Um, but 
obviously uh, Com- Commodus becomes aware of this. He This is also around the time he starts making creepy advances on uh, Lucilla, mm. um, essentially setting the groundwork for um, the the uh, incestuous relationships we see in Game of Thrones about yeah. 10 years <laughs> yeah. later. Um, 10 years I, ago, this would have been shocking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, it, you're looking at it now and you're kind of going, oh, that's tame compared to what the Lannisters yeah. get up to. Yeah. But, it's like, uh, oh, cute. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, it's it's very, very threatening. The threat is really there. There is no... Yeah. Yeah. There is no love in that relationship. It is all about um, the fact that Lucilla is a threat to um, uh, Commodus, but Commodus has the power. Yeah. And yeah. Commodus is choosing to use that power to manipulate and break a potential rival in Lucilla. Mm. Because Commodus has also used Lucius very well. Like yeah. he's, you know, he's kind of very close with his nephew and kind of in a kind of creepy way. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah it's yeah. all very. But it's all very implied mm. that you'll do what I say or mm. else I'm going to... But for me, th- the reading of that, it wasn't like, oh, he's... No. It was, no. I didn't read it ever as like him being like, oh, he's he's going to be inappropriate with the child. No, no, no. There was, no it, I for agree. me, it, which I have seen in some readings of this film where people have yeah, said... I don't think that's... No, the, yeah. no, I don't. Yeah, my, my, my feeling from it was essentially just him going, oh, look, I'm watching your child while he, he sleeps. Yeah. I could I could do anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's that thing. It's like, look how, look how easy I have access. Look how easy access I have to your child. Yeah, yeah. yeah. who is literally the only yeah. thing left in your life so yeah. you know play nice yeah <laughs> um and obviously he puts lucilla in a situation where she has to reveal the plot that she was working against him to save her son's life and so the roman soldiers turn up at the the um, gladiator quarters and basically say all right bring him out and proxima's <laughs> like uh, lost the keys who <laughs> very quickly gives them away um we have a big slave revolt nice big fight uh, some of the slaves die proxima gets stabbed by a whole bunch of centurions um and uh, shadows and dust shadows and dust and um we we see maximus trying to get away he's he sees his uh friend his old um sword boy um squire cicero. uh cicero thank you yeah. bringer uh, of wooden statues bring, yeah, yeah. Bring, <laughs> yeah bringer of wooden statues um old scarface himself yeah yeah, yeah. kind of yeah kind of looking like um a severus snape had been on the wrong end of a sword yeah. fight. um and he gets killed because uh, the Romans have got to him already and they had him on a horse with a noose around his neck. Horse rides off. He's dead. And Maximus... I also think someone him. shoots him with an arrow. They do. They, just yeah, to, when, just when, for good measure. Yeah, like. where Maximus is trying to get him down. It's just like... Dum, 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 dum. Yeah. He gets boromid <laughs> right, right in the chest. Um, and so, obviously, the plan, the plot has been foiled. Uh, you know, there will be no coup. And now is the time of gloating. Should we talk about... Proximo's last scene. Please, that's yes. obviously where they needed to edit in a lot of Oliver Reed. Uh, Oliver Reed. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like lots of that happens in shadows or it's clearly a stand in. Mm. Um, I think it looks pretty good. Yeah. So, I think so they've done it really like, well. Yeah, it holds you know, up. We said at the fine. beginning, compared to um, Graham of Tarkin, Tarkin yeah. I think they've done it much more elegantly. Yeah. In fairness, yeah. they had a lot more of Oliver Reed to work yes. with. Like yeah. he, and also they had to work him into it. <laughs> yeah. Unlike Rogue One. They didn't. I just don't like that. <laughs> I feel like Peter Cushing to me is fine. Mm. It's when you get to Carrie Fisher mm. that it's just something doesn't work. Yeah. For me, Peter yeah. Cushing is okay. No, I and I don't know what not, it is. Though. He me, looks no, I, I get I get it. Like everyone else is saying it looks wrong and freaky. I'm like, it, <laughs> you can just tell fine. he's not actually there. Yeah. For me. 
I would think Peter Cushing would be thrilled to have acted in a film after Christopher Lee, despite dying first. <laughs> I think I think if there is an afterlife with a bunch of actors together, he's there going, oh, Christopher, guess what? They were so desperate for me to be in this film. They brought me back 20 years after I died. And Christopher was like, oh, be quiet. And somewhere in the background, uh, Rex Harrison is mm. driving a boat and refusing to get out of their shot. Yeah. <laughs> Vincent Price is yeah. going, uh, but yes, but uh, yeah, I, I think they covered it much more elegantly than yeah. um, true. It was a, it was a good workaround, and yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So so everything's gone bad, and there's only like 15 minutes left of the film. What's going to happen? Maximus is captured. Here come the uh, Ridley Scott Christ allegories because he's uh, yeah. tied up in the um, oh, yeah. chained up, chained arms up. arms by his, arms out to his side. Yeah, yeah. and um, you know we have the gloating enemy um, Emperor bit coming in, Commodus going. So we're going to fight in the arena now because I'm going to kill you in front of everyone, and just to make sure. Stabs him in the chest. Yep. Stabs him in the chest yep. nice and hard. So. Are we all getting the Christ symbolism? Here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just a little bit. Christ, Christ was quite relevant at the time. It was, it just, yeah, you would have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, true, true. Less than 200 yeah. years old. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's fresh. Fresh yeah. in the memory. And um, yeah, they... So that they, they get raised up on this platform and it's the Emperor versus a heavily wounded Maximus and the crowd is still going, Maximus, Maximus. Yeah. Brian Blessed in the crowd is going, Maximus. Oh <laughs> yes. That's so funny. Yeah, just that uh, one shot. Of, uh, rather actually neat looking. It's so obvious that it's him as well. Yeah. Like, it's just like, yeah. it, it's like Adrian Emerson in The Last Jedi. It's yes. like once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah. yeah. You know, it took me a few minutes before I realised that was him though. I didn't realise until the second time, until we, we looked at the trivia afterwards mm. yeah it, it was about three or four scenes in with mm. him and then i'm like and i nudge nudge my partner and go because you know she's a big you know bottom fan and everything. Mm. i'm like holy shit that's aid edmondson <laughs> but then we could we couldn't see it yeah. we For could me, not see it from them. it was as soon as he turned around he turned right. around and i went <laughs> i went loud louder than you should have i went that's aid edmondson <laughs> <laughs> and got shushed by uh ellen and sarah um, but yes. it was a bit where we went rick you utter bastard <laughs> yeah that gave it away as well um but yes, yeah, so Brian Blessed is a great cameo yeah, as one of the crowd. Uh, everyone's everyone's getting ready for this big fight. Uh, they have the fight, and unsurprisingly, I'd say Maximus still kicks Commodus's ass despite yeah, even being even though he's bleeding wounded. to death. Yeah. yeah, awesome throat stab death. Yep. Um, yeah, pretty pretty cool. It's it's actually quite slow and yep. to- almost torturous yeah. in a little bit. Very dramatic. I also like that you don't actually see it; like it's kind of obscured. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think you even see any like blood spit or yeah. anything. No, like no, that. you don't. No, yeah. I mean like like Commodus is all beaten up because there's a bit where it, Russell Crowe basically yeah. lays into him. Mm. You know, fist fights him like Russell Crowe does in real life. Mm. Um, making movies, <laughs> making songs, <laughs> fighting around the world. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. So it, it just like he kind of Commodus makes a swing for him, and then everything kind of stops. Mm. And then sure enough, he's kind of impaled himself on his mm. own. Dagger. I also like we get a little bit of a redemption from Quintus as well because Quintus yep. was the uh, the officer who arrested uh, Maximus at the start yep. of the film, and then when the the emperor's going, I need a sword. He's like, ah, ah, uh, ah. No, that's no, <laughs> not the rules. Yeah, I'm the referee, <laughs> yeah. and I'm obeying the rule book. Uh, but yeah, a nice little bit of redemption there yeah. for a character who's basically an utter prick. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> he's just following orders, Steve. You know. Oh, okay. That, that's, well, that's a va- fine. That's fine. Yeah, then. <laughs> that's a valid excuse. Well done. Um, uh, but yes, yeah, so uh, the emperor is killed, and Maximus, with his his dying breath, essentially says, "We're going to do what." The, the real emperor uh, Marcus wanted, we're going to try and return this this whole Roman ship, we're going to try and turn it back around to, the, yep. to being a republic. Oh, and free my, free my men. 
and then he falls over yeah. and yeah. Uh, you have Lucilla running out and going like, oh, you're dying and him going, I oh, know. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, telling him to, to go to his family. We have the wheat field shop and then the film basically finishes. You know, we, yeah. we, we have a, a lovely touching scene where um, Gracchus and the slaves lift up uh, the body of Maximus and, and, carry, and him carry, him carry him out at the stadium. And yep. the stadium is silent uh, and as they pay the respects. Yeah. Whilst uh, I do Commodus, love that big, you know, pan out shot mm. where it's sort of kind of aerial shot where everyone, yeah. everyone's crowded around Maximus carrying him off and you can just see Commodus' body mm. off to the left. Just, <laughs> little just white ignored. Smeared. Just a little white and red <laughs> yeah. smear in the corner. Just like, uh, tough luck. And yeah. Um, and yeah, and then it finishes uh, with Juba who's apparently taken over as the caretaker of the Colosseum. It's dusk. <laughs> he buries the little wooden figurines that Maximus had of his wife and son and basically says, well, that's the end of the film. Yeah. Do, do, do. I actually really yeah. like that little yeah. scene. Yeah, I, it's I, nice. I think he does a good job with that because it's, it's it's a nice little line as well because they uh, Juba and Maximus talk earlier in the movie about their families and where they come from because they're mm. both slaves mm. and be captured and you know Juba wants to go back to um, I don't think they say where he's from but presumably it's somewhere else in Africa because mm. um, they start in Algeria. Yeah, that's right. So there's somewhere else in Africa that he's been taken slave from. He says he wants to go back to his wife and daughter mm. and all that, and they're waiting for him somewhere. Um, and Maximus goes, well, my I know where my wife and son are and blah, blah, blah. And they yeah. have a nice little moment. Um, and then, yeah, talk about, talking about meeting up in the afterlife and everything. And that yeah. kind of comes full circle when mm. Juba just goes, I'll see you again, but not, not yet. yet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's, it's a really nice little yeah. line. Yeah. Yeah. Although, although you were half expecting him to turn the lights out in the Colosseum <laughs> as he walked out. It does look like a bit that. like that. He just like turns yeah. around, looks over his shoulder. <laughs> don't <laughs> you forget about me. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. So... A pretty enjoyable film all up, though. Like, there's there's more that's good than not good about yes. this film, I would say. Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty enjoyable. Hmm. Would you like some IMDb trivia? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit afraid, it. but let's go for it. Okay. Well, it's okay. I mean, there's not there's not too much about Oliver Reed being a, a dick. No, it's okay. just but there what, are some... what about Richard Harris being a dick? Is there, is there like I said, not as much as okay. you'd expect. Okay. Because no, he's, no. In, he's, he's, he's got fourth billing beneath uh, Russell, <laughs> Wackin, and, and Mr. Reed. Um so Maximus's description of his home, uh, specifically about how the kitchen is arranged and the smells, was ad-libbed. Russell Crowe was actually just describing his house in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, his, his lovely farmhouse. So, yeah, they were like, oh, we don't have any dialogue for this. Yeah. I'll, I'll just describe my house. Um, there's, a, um, there's a... I walk in and... Yeah, there's, I walk in and there's my wife and... We've got a little TV set up and... Uh, My Oscar's sitting on the shelf. Yeah, and we've got one of them little hoovers. What are they called? The Roombas? One of them's just going past, going... I mean, it Then did, I go into my memorabilia room. I go to my Rabbitohs memorabilia set up. Yeah. Oh, of course, all this Rabbitohs stuff, yeah. So, yeah, they had to cut most of it out, so yeah. you just left with the stuff that sounded vaguely historic. It did really seem like he was winging it mm. when you watch it, but yeah. Uh, yeah. But it was also nice and natural, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, we know a bit like uh, we know a bit about Russell Crowe's house. Yeah. It was like Jasmine in the evening, yeah. so you know, that's there nice. Um, speaking of ad libbing, Wackin Phoenix ad libbed the "Am I Not Merciful?" scream. Uh, you know, when he's um, saying "Am I Not Merciful?" Mm. and then repeats it, goes "Am I Not Merciful?" And um, Connie Nelson wasn't expecting it. So that when she goes, oh, that's actually her going, Jesus Christ, whacking. Probably expecting a mouthful of drool as well. Yeah. <laughs> He's past his Yeah. Um, the wounds on Russell Crowe's face after the opening battle scene are real. Uh, they were caused oh, okay. when his horse uh, startled and backed him into some tree branches. Um, if, we, if you go back and have a look at it, there are stitches in his cheek that are actually quite visible when he's mm. telling Commodus that he intends to return home. But yeah, yeah. some proper yeah. proper actual Russell Rusty Crow. got 
pretty beat up doing this movie. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've got a list of his injuries there, but... There is one somewhere. Yeah, he... Um, I can't remember them. I know he popped his a few bicep tendons. He did. Ooh. I think he did something to his Achilles tendon. Probably he, snapped it. Yeah, it was like an old injury that he redid. Yeah. What else did he do? He did something else horrible. Mm. I can't remember now. But yeah, he... um. He got pretty pretty banged up doing this yeah. movie. Oh, that was the other one. That I remember now. It's he um during a sword fight, he damaged his hand so badly that he couldn't he had no feeling in his right index and middle finger for two years after the movie, after shooting. Oh, mm. uh, yeah, the full damaged his hand not that good. badly. <laughs> yeah. The full list of injuries. Uh lost all feeling in the right forefinger, as you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it just the forefinger? I thought it was two fingers. Uh it just says his right forefinger oh, okay. here. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but it that's was, still, pro- still probably yeah. not good. Still probably not good. <laughs> yeah. Uh aggravated an Achilles tendon injury, broke a foot bone, cracked a hip bone, mm. and popped a few bicep tendons out their socket, as oh, as previously God. said. So, you know, he earned that Oscar, I'm gonna say. You know, <laughs> he, he I just, I'm just I'm just being being fed a line oh, yeah. uh, by, by, by Jason uh, it made it hard for him to throw phones well yeah luckily the uh, the Roman Fifth Legion didn't have any phones that, made it, <laughs> that also helped um, five tigers were brought in for the scene uh, where Maximus fights Tigris uh, a veterinarian armed with a tranquilizer dart was present the entire time. <laughs> that's that's a brilliant safety measure. I okay. know. Yeah, just one guy with a tranquilizer gun, just like, yeah. okay, if any of these misbehave, Russell, yeah. I've got you. I'm going to shoot them. Uh, I feel, I've just got a bit of a shake, but it's okay. I'll definitely get uh, them. It might take uh, about a minute to work. so <laughs> Just stay calm. <laughs> Connie Nelson, who played Lucilla, uh, was wearing... Again, I think did a really good job. We've kind of oh, glossed yeah. over her because we, the movie glosses over mm, her. A little bit, yeah. But, but I think she does quite a good job. Yeah, she's yeah, very she's good. She's up, she's up there with one of the better performances in the movie, yeah. I think. Yeah. And she, she's Wonder Woman's mum. I did not know I that. still haven't seen Wonder Woman. Oh. I, I know, I know. Everyone's like mad at me now, but I really want to see it. Um, oh. Can we watch it after this? Sure. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's pretty damn good. I it know, so I've heard. It is very enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, well, yes, uh, Wonder Mum herself... <laughs> The two the, the the signet ring that she's wearing in the film, um, was bought in an antique store, and has been, according to this, is two thousand years old. Wow! Yeah, that's pretty incredible. Is a is a proper signet ring potentially from the time period. Now, wow. I'm looking at that, and I've got a little doubt alarm. Yeah, going on, <laughs> I, so, I, yeah. That, you know. Well, that kind of reminds me of the the Wizard of Oz trivia that is so famous. Have you heard about that one? I don't know. Um, well, uh, they were trying to get for the actor, Frank Morgan, who was playing the Wizard of Oz. They were trying to get some kind of, you know, dowdy old coat for him. Um, they went to a charity shop and they bought like the crummiest looking one they could find. Um, and it wasn't until after the shooting was done that they looked in the lapel and it turned out to be L. Frank Baum's um, jacket who actually wrote the Wizard of Oz. Wow. Yeah. And really? that is that is apparently true. That's- wow. That's incredible. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. His wife apparently identified it and said... That's and just pure jacket. chance. Just pure chance, yeah. That's amazing. Mm. That, yeah, good good work there. Yeah. Top yeah. trivia. <laughs> All right, I'll save that for when we do get to the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> oh. everyone, everyone just 
forget that we said that now. <laughs> yeah. And we can be impressed <laughs> with Edit it. Edit it out. Yeah. <laughs> Although Commodus was initially favoured by the Roman people, he lost that status through dramatic acts of megalomania mm. and is often considered the initiator of the fall of Rome. During his reign, he incorporated his name into many common terms, such as the terms for money and the people. Eventually, the citizens and the Senate had had enough, and he was poisoned. When he vomited out the poison, he was strangled. Uh, <laughs> afterwards, the Senate returned uh, the language to what it had been and took down the many statues of himself that he put up. So, yeah. real-life Commodus, also a bit of real, a dick. This, also a yeah, bit, yeah, this story is, I mean, you might get to, I don't know whether it's in the trivia or not, but... Real life Commodus, the story is very, very loosely based on what actually happened. Mm. Um, so Commodus actually did like to go and fight in gladiator combat. Mm. Mm. He'd disguise himself in armor and get out there and kick some ass. But ironically, people didn't like him for that. Mm. Um, and he also, what else happened? Well, I know for a fact that his his death, he was strangled in a bathhouse by one of his um, loyal servants. Yeah, there, Narcissus. Narcissus. Yeah, and Narcissus was the original name of Maximus in this script. Yeah. Oh, oh that was the other thing. He was. They attempted to poison him first, but he spat out the po- he vomited the poison back mm. up. Yeah. So there's that scene earlier in the movie where Lucilla's putting some powder yeah. in some in some water for him. And he doesn't finish it or something. The DVD actually skipped right at that at that moment. <laughs> yeah. So I yeah. can't exactly remember if he just doesn't drink it or if he tips it out or something. I think he just made the film skip so he couldn't see yeah. it. <laughs> spitting it out. So there's a, there, there is a nod to the fact that they did try and poison him at one point and as also, well. And right. also he, he ends up being a strangler instead of the stranglee when he kills yeah. his father. So That's yeah. right. There's yeah. little references here and there. Mm. Yeah. Um, the opening battle scene was filmed in Bourne Woods, Surrey, England. Oh, I like this one. The Royal Forestry Commission had originally slated that area for deforestation, so Ridley Scott eagerly offered uh, his facilities to burn the woods to the ground, and the commission accepted. So, <laughs> How good's that? Yeah. I love that one. So those trees <laughs> were on fire. <laughs> like, How lucky, though, as well. Yeah. It's like, oh, we need like a forest. That we can just burn. Yeah. And... Oh, we've got one for you. <laughs> oh, thanks, Royal Commission. Yeah. Um, Russell Crowe became friends with uh, Sir Richard Harris during the film, whereas Oliver Reed took an instant dislike <laughs> to Crowe and challenged him to a fight at one point. <laughs> um, and I, I love that. I'd have liked to have seen that fight. Oh, that I reckon it hilarious. would have been closer than you would think. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that sounds like a perfect South Park episode again, going back to <laughs> Russell Crowe fighting around the world. What, what, what would be their finishing lines? Because I think Oliver Reed would have, read them and weep. <laughs> And then just sit on you. <laughs> uh, something something about a crow. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. How, how long does it take for my foot to get to your ass? Kicks him as the crow flies. Something like that. Yeah, why yeah. not? He'd, he'd think of something better. You think of something? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. It might just be like, fuck you. I'm fighting around the world. Um <laughs> This is Russell Crowe's favourite of the American films he has done and also cites Maximus as the favourite character that he's played so far. Hmm. So, oh, yeah. You, know, you can see okay. why it got him the Oscar. You know? yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's probably a big part of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, although, initially, he was shooting another film uh, a few months before this called The Insider and he was umming and ahhing a bit about it and was eventually convinced to, to do it as well as doing The Insider. But one of the big problems was that he put on more than £40 to be in The Insider to play a more heavy set character mm. and lost it all to play uh. this character. Mm. And so he did do that. And he said, um, he claims that he didn't do anything special. He just worked on his farm in Australia for <laughs> the time period and farm work 
uh, trimmed him down to to the shape that he was. So and also maybe refu- removed a few biceps or something. I don't yeah, know. yeah, <laughs> potentially here. Potentially, but um, I mean, he's not super cut. No, he's really not. Movie. He's no. kind of pi- like he's super muscly, but he's kind of flat. Not flabby, yeah, but like he's he's got a layer of fat on him. Yeah, he looks like. He's no, he's no Hugh Jackman Wolverine. No, no, yeah. he looks like a real person. Yeah, <laughs> which is arguably maybe better for this sort of yeah. film than yeah. as a Wolverine or for playing Thor. You know, mm. you want yeah. your superhero characters to to have that that comic book body shape, I guess. Yeah. Whereas mm. someone who's playing like an actual older Roman military person, maybe maybe they should have a bit of just fat. look like yeah. a strong dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in reality, Emperor Marcus Aurelius actually died of the plague. Um, which may be why Gracchus was so concerned about the plague. <laughs> um, Maximus's pet wolf is played by a female uh, Taruvan Belgian shepherd named Kite. Uh, the production couldn't use real wolves because England had very strict anti-rabies laws that prevented them from importing wolves. Uh, Kite also appeared on the British soap EastEnders for seven years as Yay. a dog called Wellard. <laughs> so, Wellard. Yeah, there's your, uh, there's your oh, Wellard, I guess. <laughs> knowing, knowing the EastEnders, it's probably right. Wellard. Uh, Oliver Reed's main motivation for taking the part of Proximo was because he fancied, quote, a free trip to London to see a couple of shows. Which is <laughs> 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 pretty much just... Yep, that yep, works. Yep. yep, that's enough to get Oliver down there. <laughs> oh dear, um, just like Christopher Plummer in Star Crash, that wonderful movie I was telling you about. Yeah, I've got yeah. to check that out. Yeah, now. you need to check it's, that out. The Star Wars ripoff. Yeah, oh, yeah. God, it's so good. The iconic shot of Maximus's hand brushing the stalks of wheat is not Russell Crowe's hand. <gasps> it is the hand of his stunt double, Stuart Clark. <laughs> Stuart, which makes me think. Why do you need a stunt double for that <laughs> shot? This is not him. You killed his I stunt mean, that's, double. I mean, look, that's probably second unit. <laughs> yeah, it like, Russell wouldn't is. have been there that yeah. day. I don't know. I, I, I think there's like some secret wheat-based danger that we're not aware of. Where it's like Russell knows it. I'm not touching the wheat. Wheat's <laughs> my one weakness. You can, you're my one weakness. I can't do this. Um, when they visited the real Coliseum, Ridley Scott remarked to the production designer Arthur oh, Max that it was too small <laughs> and so their coliseum was meant to be the rome of the imagination and com- and had uh, architecture based on english and french romantic painters and the nazi architect albert speer uh, so Yay! they they put together a load of different uh, imagery to make it a much more grander thing now, I, i've Ooh, actually coming been, full circle yeah, yeah i've yeah. been to the coliseum and it, it's not it's impressive by all means it's actually you know, it's more impressive than a cgi thing but it's not as big as that and okay. i think i think it is kind of fun that you know this is a film which has some elements of realism to it yeah, yeah. but the coliseum is essentially vegas you know it's essentially yeah. like this this playground this amazing place that everyone wants to come to everyone talks about the coliseum everyone knows the coliseum yeah. so it makes sense to try and make it a heightened version of what it actually is it also yeah. totally, totally makes sense that you've got all these characters in in maximus and juba and, and all these guys who have never even been to rome let alone seen the coliseum mm. so of course you know it's quite yeah. cool that it would just to them it would be it would the biggest man-made structure they've ever seen it's a mm. cool little touch yeah yeah Uh, For the crowd scenes in the Colosseum, in addition to using real-life life extras for the lower layers, there were digital extras and 400 cardboard cutouts. Um, for the top layers I mean it worked yeah, yeah. It's, it looks yeah. good none of them just fell forward <laughs> while we were watching so that's good 
Um, Russell Crowe was continually unhappy with the screenplay, rewriting much of it to suit his own ends. Yep. He would frequently walk off set if he didn't get his way. The famous line, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next, uh, he initially refused to say, telling the screenwriter, William Nicholson, your lines are garbage, but I'm the greatest actor in the world, <laughs> and I can make even garbage sound good. So he ended up saying it because he couldn't think of anything better. Uh, and Nicholson has said, in my defense, the line was kind of garbage. Just like his character, Maximus. He yeah. was just like, so modest. Yeah. And I'm, so... I'm the greatest in the world, so... So humble. Richard Harris uh, would also frequently ignore any newly rewritten lines because he couldn't be bothered to learn them. <laughs> so he'd just stick to his old ones. I know a few he actors like on that. Set. Maybe that's why they killed him. They're like, uh, he's re- <laughs> it, it, just, let's just kill him off. Just make him stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> um, Oliver Reed insisted to Ridley Scott that his life was his own after five o'clock. Yep. <laughs> so Scott just agreed to that. So when it hit five, Oliver Reed would just leave the set. I mean, hey, if you can get it in your contract, like, <laughs> go for it. Um, Tigris of Gaul was played by uh, Sven Ol Thorsen. Yeah. Originally cast to play the part, Lou Ferrigno. Oh, cool. The original Hulk from the oh. TV show. Uh, but, yeah, obviously it didn't end up doing it for whatever reason. Mm. Um, Connie Nielsen, who we've already identified as being yep. pretty great in this film, was a surprising fountain of information for Roman history because she had always been fascinated by the period and would frequently be consulted over accurate historical details. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's Probably great. not a costume in the last scene then, but... Uh... No, that costume was a bit weird. Oh, that made me so angry. Was... What was the thing that made you angry I about I don't it? know. I think it was a mix of the colour and the fact that she was wearing a boned corset, which just would not have been a thing. And I think it was partly her hair and... Maybe the jewellery as well looked like from a jewellery shop. I don't know. I'm, I'm getting It looked picky. pretty modern. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, I've liked flop, frock flicks on uh, Facebook and since then I've become very, <laughs> very picky about, about historically accurate costuming. I don't know. Well, no, it's, it's good to know. Sorry. It's, no, it's, it's all good stuff. couple of alternate actors for the role of Maximus. Right. Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I kind of feel like we've got that with Logan to an extent. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, no, actually, you're right. He probably could have done... Yeah, he could have done a good job. Like we were saying right at the beginning, it, it, it could be quite a lot of yeah. actors could have played this role. Antonio Banderas? Oh, yeah, that would have been Spaniard, Yeah, that would have worked. And Mel Gibson. Again, I, I feel like that would be very Braveheart, but mm. yeah, that Maybe, work, yeah. yeah. Ma- I, I still th- I think Russell Crowe is better, better choice than Mel Gibson for this yeah. one. Yeah. One of the other actors who was considered for Commodus was Jude Law, by the way, who yeah, I think oh, I can see that. Good. That yeah. would have been good. I mean, I think Wackin does a pretty good job. Oh, yeah, he does, yeah, he's yeah, just yeah. as good as anyone. But mm. uh, In the director's commentary, Ridley Scott and Russell Crowe explained that the names of the horses on Maximus's breastplate, Argento <laughs> and Scato, uh, are Silver and Trigger. They are named after Silver from The Lone Ranger and Trigger, who was ridden by Roy Rogers, which is just a nice touch. Yeah. <laughs> um, Okay, here's another vain actor boom. Excellent. Whilst looking at the dailies, Ridley Scott noticed that Wackin Phoenix was gaining weight. Uh, Scott spoke to the line producer about it. The line producer then went to Phoenix and said, quote, Ridley says you're fat. <laughs> the next day, Phoenix in full armor came to Scott and said, I hear I look like a little fat hamster. I thought it was the right thing to do. I'm the emperor of Rome. Why would I not look a little more debauched? Phoenix then didn't eat for weeks. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> what a, like, what a chocolate. 
tamper tantrum. And she's like, well, fine. I just won't eat it all then. Ridley <laughs> Scott must have had the hardest time on this film. He's oh, got that happening. Guy. He's like, we need to do a shot with um, Oliver Reed. It's almost five, Ridley. I'll be leaving now. And I'm already drunk. Okay, just don't die on me. Okay. <laughs> oh, boom. Did you get those new lines, uh, Richard? No, I did, but what we have... Is Russell the... almost ready? I'm just rewriting the script. <laughs> Can we build another Coliseum? I'm just going to keep remaking Alien films from now on. This is too hard. <laughs> Connie Nielsen just goes, well, actually, at this time in history... Uh... <laughs> Everyone be quiet, please. Oh, poor Ridley Scott. And he didn't even get the best direction mm-hmm. gong at the end oh. of it. Oh, well. Um, just a couple more. Uh, this film influenced the Geonosis Arena battle in Star Wars Episode 2. Really? Yep. It's officially accredited as like, oh, we can make Gladiator. Well, I really like that Gladiator movie. What a badge of honor. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I would like Gladiators in space. (laughs) Me, George Lucas. The production uh, used up because uh, the, the Colosseum uh, replica, it, they didn't make a full replica, they made like a one-third replica uh, on Malta, on the island of Malta. The production used all of the plaster that was available in Malta uh, where they were filming, so they had to get more shipped in. But they literally used an entire nation's supply wow. of plaster. All the plaster yeah. in Malta. <laughs> God yeah. help you if you broke a bone. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Well, Russell did, so that's why. Uh, yeah. 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 Although he was depicted as Maximus uh, in an official Australian stamp. Okay. So, you know, cool. we're, we're proud of our, of our heritage. <laughs> um, Ridley Scott claimed the opening moments of Maximus pondering a bird before the battle was improvised because he and Russell uh, on the day said they needed to film a moment before the battle, but then realised there was no dialogue. So they literally just had him looking at a bird. <laughs> so so maybe Anakin's interjections earlier in the podcast were kind of appropriate. Yeah, yeah, the he's start gonna... of the podcast, yeah. pondering a bird. We had to, we had to look at him for... For 30 seconds before oh, the, he uh... does like being looked at so mm. uh richard harris uh richard harris who was marcus aurelius was originally set to play commodus in the fall of the roman empire a film in 1964 he left due to artistic difference differences with director anthony mann and was replaced as all actors are by christopher Plummer. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's kind of nice he got to get back into um into that roman story and of course um as we said uh, this film did spark a whole bunch of uh, follow-up epic sword and sandal films, yeah. including Troy, King Arthur, Alexander, 300, Noah, Kingdom of Heaven, Robin Hood, 2010, Exodus, Gods and Kings, All th- with the last three of those all being Ridley Scott yeah. joints. Mm. So, you know, Ridley Scott was kind of like, oh, these are fun, and just went and made <laughs> yeah. three. That... And I have seen most of those. <laughs> is, is Gladiator the best of those, would you say? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay, yeah. you don't need to do them. Yeah. Good. Uh, I, think, I think the only one I've seen is Alexander, and that yeah. was... um. Not good. Yeah. 300's not bad. I haven't seen that. 300's fine. Yeah, yeah 300's pretty... It doesn't... 300 just feels very different to me to all those other movies. Well, it's also Zack Snyder. Yeah. Who I keep almost calling Rob Schneider when I go to say, <laughs> Zack Schneider is directing this film. <laughs> Sweet Zacky Schneider. <laughs> um, the young actor who played Maximus's son, uh, whose name is Giorgio Cantarini... Also played Guido's son Joshua in Life is Beautiful. Both the men who have played his father, Russell Crowe and Roberto Ben... I'm going to get this one wrong, sorry. Benigni. Benigni, I guess. Um, they both won the Best Actor Oscar for mm. playing his dad. There you go. So that kid is gold dust if you <laughs> yeah. want to be Best Actor. Um, 
Gianna Fascio, who was the wife of Maximus, uh, that's the actress's name, ended mm-hmm. up marrying Ridley Scott in 2015. Oh. Huh. So, you know, fun connection there. And finally, Wackin Phoenix was incredibly nervous on set and would ask Russell Crowe to rough him up before their big scene together so he could <laughs> psych himself up. Crow was at a bit of a loss and went to Richard Harris for advice. Harris said, mate, what are we going to do with this? He said to Harris, mate, what are we going to do with this kid? He's asking me to abuse him before takes. Harris thought for a while and then said, let's get him pissed. (laughs) Why would (laughs) you ask Richard Harris? (laughs) Over the course of several hours, they drank several pints of Guinness and everyone got nice and relaxed. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Ridley Scott. Maybe that's where all the weight gain came from. Yeah. <laughs> just has to sneak a few pints yeah. before each day of shooting. Yeah, yeah. I wonder smart. where they got them. Oh, Oliver Reed always keeps 10 in his dressing room. It's fine. <laughs> Who's had my Guinness? I was going to drink them. Brian Blessed walks past. Can I join in? <laughs> God, it would have been an absolute oh, nightmare. <laughs> and yet, and yet, they made a pretty darn good film. I they think did. It has to be yes. said. Uh, so, Carmen, can I, Oh, sorry. You well, I was just going to say, like, now, was it, Carmen, was it kind of, how different or similar was it to what you were expecting or not? Or being a big Oscar winning movie, it's kind of. I don't know. I just, maybe just going back to what we were talking about before, maybe I just expected more of a dramatic arc or more yeah, yeah. more conflict, like internal conflict. I, I don't know. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big epic sword and sandals and what you see is what you get sure, and that's fine. Sure. Um, but yeah, maybe compared again to something like Lord of the Rings where there's lots of conflict between characters and conflicts, you know, yeah, within oneself, yeah. you know, there's not really a lot of that in this film, I guess. And maybe I was expecting more of that. I don't know. That's fair enough. Mm. No, I, I'm, I just asked because being an Oscar winner and everything, I feel like mm. people kind of would expect a bit more of a movie. Yeah. Yeah. I am I mean, surprised. Look, as much as I love this movie, I am surprised it's an Oscar winner. Mm. So, And it, I mean, it is an interesting one as well because it's it's not the sort of film that traditionally wins Oscars, no, or at least the Best no. Picture Oscar. The Best mm. Picture Oscar, as we've seen in the last couple of years, generally gets picked. I mean, the films that have been picked recently are things like uh, Moonlight, mm. uh, yeah. which has obviously got very important social message. Um, and the last couple of years, it, it's sort of been that kind of thing. This there's no social message in this at all. You know, this no. is literally just you know, oh look, uh, swords and sandals done well. Mm. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's reflective of the time period uh, as, as opposed to the actual quality of the film. But I think it's also telling that we, you know, we had a bunch of films suggested for this poll. We, we said, you know, just pick Best Picture winners. We had films like Gone with the Wind and mm. The Deer Hunter, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. This film won pretty easily. You know, it's obviously a film that people like for yeah. a reason. Yeah. It so, still res- resonates with people, yeah. obviously. Yeah. yeah, and it still holds up. Yeah, you know, mm. it's, it's it, a great it looks film. great. Yeah, um, obviously, we're recording this before uh, The Shape of Water wins Best Picture. I'm presuming. <laughs> oh, um, fingers crossed. Yeah, what um, a great movie. Have you seen it? Yeah, is it good? Ah, oh, loved it. Okay, absolutely well, loved it. Well, I admittedly, I've only seen two of the Best Picture nominees this year. Mm-hmm. What's the other one? I saw Get Out as well. Okay, get I would be happy if either of them win. To okay. be honest. Um, but yeah, um, Shape of Water is. Okay. Have you seen it? No, oh. I need to watch Get Out as well. Yeah, that's that's a great movie. Yeah, too. I really but yeah, do Shape of Water that. is just beautiful. Okay, it's a unfortunately, beautiful I, film. I don't get to watch many recent films. I tend to spend a lot of my time watching films like this. <laughs> so I will have to get onto them, but we should score this film. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Carmen, uh, you, as the person who hasn't seen the film, you get to go first. What score would you give Gladiator out of ten? Uh, let's go. 
five tiger tranquilizer darts out of ten. Cool. Just middle of the road. Yep. Not bad. Middle not of the good. Road. Just yeah. just middle. This yeah. is a film. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. This okay. is a movie. Yes. Um, Patrick, what score oh, would you give it? Wow. I mean, I'm going to give it eight snot fests at your dead wife's feet out of ten. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair yeah. score. And for me, I, I'm, I am in between you two. I think it's it's a it's a good, enjoyable film. Uh, I think it's a film that I'd be perfectly happy to watch again if it was on, but maybe not one I would pick to put on. And I think that mm. that that's the sign of like a good film, but one that's just not necessarily one that you think is great. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so for me, I would give Gladiator seven. Uh, well-deserved week's rest for Ridley Scott after directing (laughs) all of the egos in this film out of 10. Uh, So that is it. Um, Did you guys have any other final notes on the film? No, it's great. Go see it. Cool. Okay. Go see it. Seek consent before doing method acting. (laughs) Yes, yes. Seek consent before method acting. All that remains to me to say is a very big thank you to Patrick and Carmen. Uh, Thank you for coming on this episode. Thank you for having us, Stephen. Thanks, Stephen. I thought I'd just come back quickly and say uh, thanks for reviewing my movie. Uh, I really appreciate it. Oh, no, no. It's good, Um, Russell. I've got to go again. Okay. He's quite nice in person. Oh, guys, I just had to duck out to the toilet again. Did I miss anything? Absolutely nothing. Oh, okay, good. And uh, for those of you listening at home, thank you very much for downloading this episode. Uh, For more information about the podcast, you can find us at iTunes or at SoundCloud or indeed any other podcasting or podcatching service. Just search for The Cinema Catch-Up Club. Make sure that you subscribe uh, so you don't have to keep searching for it every week because, you know, that would be silly. Uh, We can also be found on Facebook. Just search for The Cinema Catch-Up Club there where we have uh, audience polls. This film was picked by the voting audience and if you want to have a say in what films we do next... Uh, then by all means, like us, and you can make your votes there. And of course, we are on Patreon. Uh, If you want to become a Patreon patron and get even more fun content, then just go to patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast. But that's all for this week, so until next time, goodbye. Were you not entertained? You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.